Welcome to From the Magic Pencil, Voices of Writing Through. Our goal is to amplify the voices of people whose stories need to be heard. Welcome back, listeners. I'm Sue Guiney, founder and executive director of Writing Through. In today's episode, I'm once again joined by the lovely Patty Beerley, one of our wonderful volunteers. This is part two of a conversation we had. We discussed her experience being back in the U.S. after over a decade away, how disappointed she is with the lack of arts education in the U.S., and she shares a brilliant poem from a participant from Art Dis, formerly Very Special Arts in Singapore. So now you're back in the... Yeah. I'm assuming a very big American big. public high school. Yes, ours isn't as huge as some. Um, it's about, I believe, 4,000 students, which is just about the size of um, the American school that was a pre-K to yeah. 12 in mm-hmm. Singapore. So this is just, you know, 9 through 12. I think the benefit there is a, for some, my daughter is a competitive swimmer. So I'm speaking from this ex- specific experience she made a, the connection this summer. She hadn't even gone to the school yet, but made the connection with the coach the summer we moved. And he immediately connected her with three people on the team. And within hours, they were talking. And she had an immediate social connection, which was huge. So I think that aspect of it has been great. The kids look out for each other. Any new one that comes in, they get assigned a big sister or a big brother. That person is responsible for you know making sure they're included collectively, which is something that the Singapore American School might have done for a day. It was not a consistent behavior and it's not a behavior I would have seen there. So I think that is wonderful. What worries me is when the kids talk about what they've done or what they're doing in the classroom. It's more about memorizing something for a test or learning something for a test um, that they, they, they seem to be chasing hoops. And I worry whether they're actually acquiring any knowledge that they can apply in the future or even currently in their own lives. I I think it's not that it's not happening. It's not the, it doesn't seem to me, at least in my experience, to be the emphasis. I know almost no one that is taking a sort of a liberal arts or the creative track. It's more STEM. And I don't think the two can exist without each other. But there's no push to be creative, like to, I mean, unless you go to robotics club or something that's associated, but there's no, no one talks about writing poems or stories or just having a free moment where you're creating something. I don't hear those conversations at all. And it worries me. That's the uphill battle that we always have. In yeah. Life. Why writing through is created, right? To make people understand that there is a direct connection between experiencing that kind of creativistic endeavor and unlocking thinking skills. And being able to talk about the skills. So this idea of, well, we can't talk about these things. We can't even have a conversation sometimes about an idea. Yeah, it's controversial, but if you don't discover what another person's thinking and try and understand it, you know, you can't arrive at a conclusion of how you're going to work together on something. You can't exclude ideas. Yeah, in medical school, for example, um, there's been a lot of research about the need for medical students to do creative writing. Why? 
because finding out what is wrong with your patient, that is a storytelling skill. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to listen to a story unfold in probably a nonlinear way and put those pieces together and understand somebody else and somebody else's story. How do you get trained to do that? Well, by writing your own stories. More and more medical schools are having their students do this kind of work because it's a listening skill, it's a storytelling skill, it's a creative thinking skill. Yeah, So that's interesting. I noticed one of the big differences when I came back encountering, you know, just the medical profession, everything is so time restricted, right? So physicians don't actually have, they're on a clock and they have maybe 10 minutes with you to uncover, you know, what it is you're experiencing and, you know, your symptoms and then it's, you're done, you're out. So I'm wondering how they're going to apply those skills when they actually get out of school and, and are now in the business environment of medical practice. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that the better you are at something, the more quickly you can do it. Yeah, good point. (laughs) Yeah. But um, the medical system here sometimes does feel like a factory, you know, or like a bakery. You know, you take your number, you wait, you get called, you see this, you go there, you know, boom, 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 and then you're out. My own recent medical challenges, I've been very, very lucky because I had one oncologist who, you know, the joke was that he was always late. And everybody (laughs) He was always late. And why was he always late? Because he sat there and he listened. And that's that an unusual experience. A world of difference to my it recovery. Does. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. So I I mean, I think having the students participate in a class like this would be beneficial. There's a deep level of study, right? It's it's fun. It's it's a break for your brain to do this, to do something different, to let it wander, to to see what you're thinking. Because who stops to ask themselves, what am I thinking today? What am I feeling today? You know, usually we're just rushing through our day and we don't do that. The ability to be able to do that, it gives you some insights about yourself. Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you angry? Are you, you know, joyful? Outside of the um, medicine and school, are you noticing any other particular needs in your community? So Austin, Texas has seen a huge boom. We have a lot of people moving into the city. There's a lot of wealth in the city. You don't have to travel 10 minutes outside the county to see that it doesn't reach everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually we recently, we took a road trip and just drove from Boston to Santa Fe. I think the major cities for the most part have a concentration of wealth, at least you don't have, you just start driving through the U S and you really see how many places are really left behind, like ghost towns. You have to wonder like, what are people doing and why are we so disconnected from each other? And I think there's, you know, similar to my experience in Cambodia, which I'm fortunate, my my life has been easy. And going to Cambodia always brought me, when when you just get whiny about whatever's happening in your life, you start to get like, it's uh, self-centered. And you just, for some reason, Cambodia always just slapped me in the face. And you know, you know what, this is life here. You know, people are connected to each other. There are communities looking out for each other. I felt like it was a more human connected experience when I was there. Even though they I, have nothing. They, there's no, yeah, there's no material wealth, right. but there's a lot of wealth. <laughs> 
in that in that social connections. And I, I see the parallel here. I see the, a lot of lack of resources and lack of connection. And that both are worrisome because you need basic resources to have the wherewithal to not be worried about where you're eating or where you're living. You know, can your kids go to school? Can I get health care for them? I see probably the needs of finding ways to connect people and see each other as in this life together, connecting us in a way that we feel responsible for each other. And I think that lack of responsibility for each other kind of slapped me in the face when we came back. There's a level of desperation here that I did not feel when I left in 09. And that makes me sad. Mm. Um, But on the other hand, I have seen small towns in Texas. People are so welcoming. You walk down a street and, oh, you lost? You know, where are you going? Can I help you find something? It's most communities I walked into um, just observed as we're, you know, travel around the state at least. Um, People are really warm and they're welcoming and they're very community oriented that I've observed. Don't see it as much in the city, except our neighbors. We had a huge ice storm. It was a disaster, um, but it brought all the neighbors out. You know, people come out and say, I've got water in my pool. If you need to, you know, flush a toilet, just come and get some water and you can, you know, so there's that. It's uh, nothing like a crisis to bring people together. It just would be nice if it didn't take a crisis to do that. makes me now want to move to the next question, which is, do you have a poem or a story or oh. something in one of your workshops that yeah, you'd like to read? Yes. So in Singapore, we worked with an organization called Very Special Arts that offers opportunities for people with cognitive and physical abilities um, to participate in the arts or actually learn a skill in the arts that they can then use to um, have careers. One of our earlier workshops with a group of about eight young adults And this particular fellow just stands out just because he just had an absolute joy for participating in the workshops. He helped his fellow students. So I have his poem and I actually keep it on my desk and uh, it just makes me happy. So when I, you know, get frustrated with something, I can look up and I can just read his poem. This is a poem by Zhong Yat Singh. The name of the poem is Colors Make Me Happy. I like purple because yesterday was a purple parade. Blue makes commuters happy on the downtown line. Red reminds me of our proud Singapore heritage. White symbolizes purity of youth. Green is a very precise color. Pink is what girls are happy about. Orange gives people new ideas. Brown represents the strength within. Colors make me happy. Lilac makes clothes look better. Ultramarine reminds of the calming ocean. Hot red is upset. Violet gives purple more, better for violet blossoms. Gray makes people dance to the beat. Yellow is a beautiful color for bees to make honey. Colors make me happy. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Isn't it great? Yeah. And, um, you know, some of the colors are things that you would expect and some are completely, wow, how did he think that? I know. Something that we talk about, we talk about metaphor and yeah. disparate ideas together, you know, regardless of his own cognitive challenges, he's got yeah. it there. He's got it. 
Right. That's wonderful. That's Great. wonderful. And did yeah. he read that out loud in, the, in our he big did. event? Yeah, he did. Um, he read that at the Singapore Writers Festival. And then he helped us with other students, sort of a leader in the classroom, very willing to help. So some of the more timid students, he would help and, you know, bring up to the front, the classroom to read and just a really great fellow. That he had taken more than one writing through yeah. workshop. Yeah. Had you facilitated in groups with him more than once? Yeah. yeah. Did you see a yeah. change? I did. Yeah. So it's interesting. The first time he um, participated, he was a, uh, a little slow to warm up. He wasn't sure what we were asking about. Oftentimes kids anywhere want to satisfy you with an answer that they think that you were looking for. So that shift of, no, we're not looking for a specific answer. It's what you are thinking is a hard transition. It didn't take more than three classes for him to transition out of that. And certainly by the, I think he did three workshops with us, at least while I was there, we could just set him free, really. Having them present at the Singapore Writers Festival was a huge deal and very well received. They did a phenomenal job. I mean, there were 80 to 100 people. These are kids and young adults that no one expects to be able to write or, or get up in front of a group and audience and read. And in fact, I, the, one of the more moving memories from doing these is I had one parent at the VSA uh, come up to me and say, I did not know that my child could do this. I never expected him to be able to write anything. I, I never thought it a possibility. And she was just so overwhelmed that he could do it. But she said, I, I need to think in terms of him being able to do things and not able to, in, instead of unable to do things. And that's just incredibly powerful. And it, it reminds me to go into everything you do really is that everyone is capable. Your job as a trainer is to figure out, okay, this is the content or this is what we have to do. Here are the capabilities or what I think the capabilities might be of my students and how can we get them to where they need to be. It's never going to be a straight line and you have to get creative and you may have to readjust some of the end goals, but they're all capable. Every last one of those kids is capable of doing something. And, you know, once those doors are open, there's nothing stopping them. There's nothing stopping them. Yeah. I mean, you just basically have to get out of their way. Yeah, exactly. The kids at uh, Caring for Cambodia, or when I returned the second time, that you run up to you with the little pencils, little nubby stubs of their pencils and ask if you brought more. <laughs> our, our magic pencils. Right. The magic pencils. It's, oh, it's so yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, I, lo I love that. Yes, of course yeah. I have more. It's an endless amount. Here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh. We've talked about so many great things. We could talk forever. But, um, I know. But I should probably, you know, unless there's, is there something else that you want to talk about? I just think that the workshop, it's simple, but is probably one of the most powerful things. It impacts people, both the student and the facilitator in, in ways that are unusual, unexpected, and just wonderful. Thank I, you. Uh, Thank yeah. you for being such a big part of this. Ah, you know, it's a joy. Because of people like you who have given so much of yourself yeah. and your time. Isn't she fabulous? We are so lucky to have her as a volunteer. A big thank you to Patty for her time. Next week, Kristen, 
writing through his deputy director, takes the reins to interview the utterly charming Kim Ann from one of our partner organizations in Siem Reap, Cambodia. Here's a taster. Whatever you are doing now, whatever situation you are in, I hope that you continue practicing self-care, get enough sleep, do exercise, and don't forget self-development. If you are new to this podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Please recommend us to anyone in your life you think might enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. From the Magic Pencil is a collaborative product of the staff and volunteers of Writing Through, including founder and executive director Sue Guiney and deputy director Kristen Schuster. It is edited and produced by our operations coordinator, B. Rice. We would like to give special thanks to our interns, Rachel Walkman and Eva Phelps, without whom these podcasts would not have been possible. If you are interested in donating, volunteering, or partnering with Writing Through, or just finding out a little bit more about what we do, you can check out our website at www.writingthrough.org. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or email us at info at Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Ever onward.